gets high on you When the space he invades he gets by Thanks for joining me for another fun-filled episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Today I'm going to be discussing, well, not just today, but this week, be discussing UFOs in and from the Bible, as well as UFO sightings throughout history, fact versus fiction, and current events. Some really strange things have uh, come to my attention that I'll be covering. And also, maybe if I get a chance... I can do some mailbag readings because I get emails and messages constantly from people around not just the United States, but internationally. And I'd be happy to give some shout outs if I get a chance. But just bear with me. I'll make this quick and painless. And I hope that you uh, brought plenty of popcorn and buckle up because this is going to be a bumpy ride. This next story is unbelievable. When I saw the video footage of this, I could not believe what I was seeing. I had to watch it over and over again. A UFO bigger than Earth flying past the sun was spotted by NASA's observation mission. The development comes weeks after a camera at the International Space Station spotted an unknown cone-like object that was flying upward. NASA's stereo observation mission has spotted what fans of conspiracy theories said is a gigantic UFO flying past the sun. The incident itself occurred on the 29th of February, but the footage of it has posted just recently on the channel Hidden Underbelly 2.0, dedicated to the mysteries, events, and sightings. According to the host, Stereo's camera filmed the humongous object for four seconds, after which it turned off and began working only after the UFO had passed completely out of sight. This humongous object appears to be bigger than Mercury, it appears to be bigger than Venus, and it appears to be bigger than our own planet Earth. If you can tell this thing doesn't look like our space station in no way, it doesn't look like any satellite than any expert who has analyzed this video has ever seen. To be honest, when I first saw the footage, I thought of Ezekiel's wheel. If you're familiar with the story of Ezekiel seeing a giant wheel in the sky, at that time in human history, if you see a craft in the sky, some kind of an unidentified flying object, uh, the point of technology in that area and that realm was equivalent to the size and shape of a wheel. They didn't have saucers. They didn't have discs. They only had things that normally are in the sky to compare it to, which would be a bird. But to see a wheel in the sky kind of blew Ezekiel's mind, which is why that story is so significant. The host of the Hidden Underbelly refers 
to a saying in the book of Ezekiel where the prophet spoke about a flying chariot or described as a wheel, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. NASA has not yet issued a response to this encounter, but the video footage is available and it is connected to the space station observation. And it is out there. You've just got to look for this. Google UFO bigger than Earth on Google search, and you'll be able to find this and see it for yourself. It is truly mind-blowing. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Canadian witness encounters UFO hovering over roadway. A Canadian witness at Abbotsford, British Columbia, reported an object hovering over the roadway about the width of Tulane Road. According to testimony, and in case 90803 from the Mutual UFO MUFON Witness Reporting Database, the witness was driving down a poorly lit road at 8.40 p.m., already dark on March 15, 2018. I had another person with me at the time, the witness stated. At first, I didn't really pay much attention to the craft, as I assumed it was an airplane in a distance. I started taking more notice as I continued driving, as the aircraft seemed to be quite low, and what seemed to be slow moving. However, as I neared the aircraft, it was not moving at all. It was hovering in one spot directly over the road, it was hovering in one spot, probably above the power lines, as far as the distance appeared to them. I kept driving, but I slowed down as I was driving under it, directly under it. I told my companion that this is no plane. The witness described the object. It was a black color with lights, lights flashing like an airplane, as that was the deception in the start. The, the deception in the start. It was loud sounding as I passed under it, like a loud engine. It was a longish kind of shape and width and was about the same size as the width of the road, double lanes that is. It had some kind of strips of material fluttering off of it. It was not a drone. I drove under it, but to be honest, I was tripping out a little bit at the moment as normally I was very skeptical of this type of thing. I drove up to the next street crossing approximately a city block and a half and did a U-turn as I was going to take pictures or video of this. I sped back down the road, but as I neared it again, it left. It just seemed to look like any other lights in the sky within seconds. I don't know for sure what it was. When I was under it, it was really the only time I could hear its engine. I couldn't hear what it sounded like when it took off as I was speeding back toward it to take some pictures. All that I could really hear was my own engine speeding back towards it. I don't know what it was, but it was not a drone or an airplane. Canadian MUFON field investigator Carl Peterson closed this case as an unknown aerial vehicle. 
guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash good. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face -face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash good. That's 4 slash good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash good. Family is big around here. We're family-owned, family-operated, family-managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Flying Saucers and the Bible Connection Bible scholar Barry Downing firmly believes that biblical teachings were inspired by extraterrestrials who came to Earth in flying saucers. Downing was so convinced he wrote a book about the theory called The Bible and Flying Saucers, Lip Kant, New York, 1968. In the book, he says the Bible clearly points out how UFOs played a strong role in the evolution of the Hebrew Christian faith. Downing believes the scriptures suggest that Jesus' resurrection occurred when he was beamed up from earth by a flying saucer. Downing also believes that the bright cloud that led the people of Israel through the Red Sea, parting the waters, and then engulfing the Egyptians was a UFO. The author even claims it was space beings who spoke to Moses from the middle of the glowing thicket and later spoke to Elijah outside of the cave forcing the prophet to shield his eyes because of the brightness. A UFO took Jesus away at the ascension and hovered over Paul and his followers on the Damascus Road, Downing contends. He also claims the three wise men probably followed a UFO to Bethlehem. Since stars do not move or abruptly stop in the manner the, UFO the Bible describes, Downing claims that evidence proving UFOs could be hazardous to human health can also be found in the Bible. He points to the references to the Egyptians drowning in the Red Sea, warnings given to Moses not to approach too near the burning bush, and warnings given to his followers not to approach Mount Sinai as proof. The author points out other mystifying events in the Bible that he believes can only be interpreted to mean the participants had contact with UFOs. For example, he points out that when Moses descended from Mount Sinai with two tablets in his hands, Exodus records that the skin of his face shone from talking to God, and he says the New Testament describes how Jesus began to glow when in contact with a bright object on a mountain. When the tabernacle was built, Downing contends the priests serving it were told by ETs what clothing to wear to protect themselves against radiation. Because the UFO hovered like a cloud over the tent 
enclosing the tabernacle. Downing believes this precaution could have brought about the Jewish custom of wearing skull caps into houses of worship, yarmulkes. The author even suggests mutations in the growth of biological life caused by radiation could have resulted in the plagues described in Exodus. Downing further theorizes that Einstein's curvature of space theory provides a clue to where heaven is located. The author contends Jesus may have meant that the kingdom of heaven literally rests in the midst of us, meaning that heaven is on an entirely different plane or wavelength, invisible to us, but existing parallel to our own, connected by bends or warps in the space-time continuum. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. The mystery of the twelfth planet. Are we the sons and daughters of space beings? Bible scholar Zachariah Sitchin has a most unusual theory about the origin of mankind. Using the original Hebrew version of the Old Testament and translations of Sumerian, the author has traced the origins of civilization to the Nephilim, the sons of the deities mentioned in the book of Genesis, as having been cast down onto the planet before the Great Flood. From a twelfth as of yet undiscovered planet in our solar system, the Nephilim came to Earth in search of minerals, according to the author. As a result of their journey came humankind. To this day, we do not know who the Sumerians were, even though we owe all of our trappings of civilization to these ancient people. Everything from architecture to medicine. Sitchin believes that he has the answer in his book, The Twelfth Planet. Of all the numbers... The author points out 12 seem to be held sacred by ancient people. For example, the Egyptian god Ra presided over 12 other gods, and there were 12 tribes of Israel and 12 apostles of Jesus, not to mention 12 Greek titans. No coincidence, says Sitchin, who goes on to say that traditions dating back to ancient Sumerians, he claims. The Sumerians claimed our solar system was made up of a sun and 11 planets. If you count the Earth's moon and another planet since destroyed, on the 12th planet far into the space lived in the Nephilim. The 12th planet was known as Murduk, and it passes between Mars and Jupiter on its orbit around the sun every 3,600 years, according to the author. The symbol for Marduk was a winged globe which became crucial to the beliefs and astronomy of the ancient world. The pictographic sign for the 12th planet became the cross, which referred to it as the planet of crossing. Sitchin believes Marduk is a comet. Sitchin also believes the evolution of humankind was aided along the way by the Nephilim and passed through three stages. The Mesolithic period, about 11,000 B.C., 
the pottery phase of 7,400 BC, and the emergence of Sumeria in 3,800 BC. Each of these periods is separated by 3,600 years, coinciding with the appearance of Marduk and the Nephilim. The author believes the cycle would explain the references in Genesis chapter 6 about the Great Flood. In the biblical account, 120 years is referred to as the lifespan granted mankind. Sension reinterprets this to mean 120 shar, a shar being 3,600 years. That means 432,000 earth years have passed between the Nephilim's first landing here and the flood at that time. Sitchin contends the Nephilim landed on earth in search of minerals, particularly gold. The major rivers of the world were probably Nephilim bases, he added. Somewhere on the path of evolution, these beings created humankind, according to Sitchin. Nephilim came to be known among humans as the people of Shem, a Shem being a rocket or a spacecraft. Zugarats, consisting of seven stages sloping upward into a pyramid-like form, about 300 feet high, seemed designed to accommodate spacecraft as a sort of launch tower. Symbolically, in Sumerian religious beliefs, they served as the connecting link between the gods and the mortals on Earth. Interestingly, in support of this, the author points to the biblical account of the Tower of Babel. Babylai literally meant gateway to the gods, so humans may have attempted to erect a Shem of their own, first building the launch tower to the high heaven. If Sitchin is correct in assuming the Nephilim were the gods of whom we owe our existence, and humankind will one day discover the twelfth planet, the author asks one last mind-boggling question. Did evolution alone on the 12th planet really create the Nephilim? Ezekiel and the Strange Beings Who were they exactly? The prophet Ezekiel was a Jewish priest who lived in Chaldea. He claimed he was contacted four times during a 20-year period, beginning about 593 B.C., by man-like beings who came to Earth in a fiery chariot. NASA rocket engineer Joseph Blumrich believes Ezekiel was probably the world's first UFOologist, describing in detail the strange beings that confronted him and their craft. Ezekiel's writings, of course, can be found in the Old Testament. In this book, The Space Beings of Ezekiel, Bontem, New York, 1974, which was published, Blumrich reinterprets Ezekiel's observations to produce an engineering analysis of the fiery chariot described in the Bible. Like I mentioned earlier, seeing a UFO at that time in the history of mankind, one would compare it to a wheel, a wheel in the sky. Uh, no one would at that time know what a saucer was or a disc or even a uh, cigar-shaped vehicle in the sky. They would equate it to a wheel. Incredibly, that analysis found that the object Ezekiel encountered could be built today. NASA, the author points out, holds patents on atmospheric reentry vehicles closely designed after the object Ezekiel reported. 
In the Bible, Ezekiel writes, He watched a stormy wind descend from the north, fire flashing forth continually, and within it he saw the likeness of four living creatures, each with four wings and a pair of human hands. Now, sounds a lot like uh, winged creatures, humanoids that could be close to what we think of as the Mothman or perhaps gargoyles or uh, any other type of winged cryptid. Bloomrick interprets this to mean four landing legs, possibly, each with four-bladed helicopter and mechanical arm attachments supporting a, a uh, spacecraft body. Ezekiel was able to positively identify only one feature of the object, the wheels, one at the bottom of each leg, which were capable of moving in any direction. Author Bloomrick believes Ezekiel's observation, a wheel within a wheel, describes a technique for locomotion. The U.S. space program incorporated into vehicles designed to operate on the surface of other planets. Ezekiel describes the wheels he saw as light greenish blue and the body of the object as resembling rock crystal or terrible ice, as suggesting uh, to Bloomrick that the prophet was seeing a shiny surface, the same shiny surface described in thousands of present-day UFO sightings. From the object, the Bible tells us, emerged the appearance of a man who had been seated upon the likeness of a throne. Ezekiel refers to the being as the glory of the Lord, rather than the Lord himself, Bloomrick points out. The author believes the likeness of a man described by Ezekiel was a spacecraft commander who wore a gold or brass-colored suit and demonstrated for the prophet his ability to fly from his craft to the ground. Then taken for a ride on the craft, Ezekiel described the experience with the words, The Spirit lifted me up. According to Bloomrick's interpretation, and when they landed, seven men received the commander. One of them said, I have done as thou didst command me. Three more times over the following 20 years, Ezekiel described the same craft, and after each encounter, the prophet described the experience with the words, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and the Spirit took hold of me, or the Spirit lifted me up. Bloomrick speculates the prophet may have been describing a hyphonic influence and teleportation, possibly. He also theorizes that the UFO began its descent after separating from a larger UFO at 220 miles in altitude. A brief firing of its rockets enabled the craft's helicopter-like blades to descend the rest of the way and maneuver for a landing. The author believes Ezekiel witnessed this phase of the flight and the prophet mistook the rockets blasting for lightning and the helicopter blades for rushing wind. The author believes Ezekiel was chosen for an encounter because he was a priest and occupied a leadership role among his people. Based on Ezekiel's observations, Bloomrick believes that speculated the ETs were studying humans and ex... Um, exerated the intellectual influence of the development of human civilization through the priest Ezekiel.
Lost Tribes from Outer Space, Fact or Fiction. French author Marc Dem believes the Jews had been persecuted throughout history because as God's chosen people, they are not from this planet and ultimately have got to come from another place. And he points out to the Old Testament as proof with an unorthodox yet literal interpretation of the scriptures. In his book, The Lost Tribes from Outer Space, Bentham, New York, 1977, publisher. Dem claims that Jews are a product of selective breeding processes begun when Yahweh, God, discovered on landing here that Stone Age humanoids were lousy breeding stock. Dem interprets Genesis literally to mean Adam and the first Jew and Adam's rib. His genetic structure was used to create Eve. The author further interprets that the descendants of the first couple made God angry because they bred with primitive stock already populating the planet, and immortality suffered. Adam lived 930 years, Noah's son, Shem, only 600 years, and Abraham but 175 years. In Genesis 6-3, according to the author, God warned that crossbreeding with, would lower the life expectancy of the Jewish people. My life-giving spirit shall not remain in man forever, but for his part is mortal flesh. The passage, Dem explains, invokes that Plato wrote in Timaeus and Critus in references to the inhabitants of Atlantis, who remained immortal until they became diluted too often and too much with the mortal mixture, and the human nature got the upper hand. According to the author, God called forth the great flood to rinse out the genetic test tube to purge a Jewish race which had become almost indistinguishable from the people who emulated them. Dem claims Jesus Christ was an inspired humanitarian Jew who, against God's wishes, wanted to end segregation between Jew and Gentile and to rebuild the Tower of Babel thereby ensuring the absent of the, gen of the uh, Gentiles into the kingdom of heaven. Then God returned one day in spaceships to take the Jews away to another land. Jesus deserves the title of Savior, according to the author, because he tried to establish a religion that would save the Gentiles who had been condemned by the extraterrestrial Yahweh. But Jesus failed, according to Dem. Dem predicts that in the near future, we the people most definitely must open a dialogue with Yahweh or God, making sure that we are in true contact for the best results. For the reason, he adds, to ensure the survival of the planet, there must be a peace between Jew and Gentile. Anti-Semitism will provoke the apocalypse. And so he claims, will the space program, because Yahweh fears the human race as potential competitors for conquering the universe? People have asked me so many times, Neil, how on earth can you believe in ghosts, believe in cryptozoological creatures such as Mothman, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, Champ from Lake Champlain? How can you believe in alternate realities, parallel universes, UFOs, aliens from another world, another planet, and so many other unexplained things? 
and be a Christian at the same time? And my answer to that is simply, there is nothing more supernatural or paranormal than the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh, God the creator, creator of a mega universe, multi-layered universe, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's no way he told us everything. Uh, for us to know everything would be l us being like God, which he would never allow. And our feeble minds are not able to comprehend that level of knowledge. So that's what keeps me guessing. That's what keeps me researching. That is what keeps me looking into the unknown. My faith. And that's all the time we have this week. I hope you enjoyed the topic that I covered and the interesting stories I shared. Join me next week. Who knows what I'll have planned, but have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Neil Parks, out.